Hello and welcome to the Premier League on Tap, your FPL draft podcast. My name is Zach, aka Drafting for Upside, coming in hot with some audio content for this week. Today's episode is going to be a one-on-one with a Fantrax Draft Premier League manager. We plan to cover their experience in the draft PL space so far and uh, maybe some of their strategies for 2023 and 2024. And, you know, hopefully if we have some time at the end, we'll be able to talk him into giving some of us uh, his player takes for this season as well, but no guarantees is... Uh, he may hold his cards closer to his chest than than we do here at the Premier League on tap. So uh, without further ado, I'm pleased to welcome Christian at Draft Espresso on Twitter or X, whatever you like to call it, who is in his second year of Fantrax Draft PL ma- Managership. Christian, how are you doing on this fine evening? Doing excellent. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Glad you could be here. Um, we did have a little bit of a struggle getting this scheduled I know given our time zone differences but um, glad you were able to to make it on with us and talk some draft PL even in your limited experience so far yeah no well yeah I'm still learning so yeah I'm glad to well I'm just glad to be part of the community you know it's a great great community out there so yeah so tell me a little bit about yourself and maybe some of your soccer football fandom whatever you whatever you call it Right. Yeah. Football, soccer, I guess it depends on who I'm talking to. But uh, yeah, I'm originally from uh, Eastern Canada, Maritimes. Uh, so I guess uh, that's maybe just up the coast from you. You're you're in Boston, are, are you not? Yeah. So I'm in Boston right now, originally from from Rochester, New York area. So okay. sometimes my girlfriend even likes to joke that I'm basically from Canada, uh, to which yep. I reply that I am not. But uh, it is pretty damning. I am only an hour and a half from the border. Just a stone's throw. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So I live in Osaka. Like you mentioned, the time difference, 13 hours. Uh, yeah. I, I live here with my wife and daughters and uh, I teach English. So. Oh, awesome. Um, I've been here in Japan about eight years. Um so, yeah, I'm actually a fan of uh, Serezzo Osaka, which uh, Shinji Kagawa is playing uh, for them right now. So oh, awesome. He's the home, home boy, or he's the, the homegrown talent. Uh, but in terms of uh, Premier League, uh, I'm actually a Spurs fan. Um, oh, boy. So, yes, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so... Yeah, we, we, we have thick skin, you know, uh, Spurs fans. But yeah, so actually a friend in university uh, was uh, from North London. So it just kind of clicked when I decided uh, to get more serious about following Premier League. Um, so yeah, and uh, the rest is history. I don't know if you know this, but we have a pretty big history of Tottenham fans here at the Premier League on tap. So um, you'll, you'll fit right in. I'm sure, I'm sure Nate will love to hear that one after the fact. Um, and you must feel, be feeling pretty good about Tottenham's season going forward, at least with some of their new signings. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you know, like, um, I'm, I'm sure people like to lampoon us about, uh, you know, the idea of our club identity, but it, the, the style of play really does fit with that, you know, like going back to, you know, Ricky Villa or Ozzy Ardiles or the, these kind of very attacking minded sides, you know, um, 
kind of flying by the seat of our pants. And that's literally, that's, that's Ange ball, right? Flying by the seat of your <laughs> pants, basically. So I, I'm really excited. It's, I mean, yeah, defensively it's uh worrisome, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're excited, you know, about, uh, going forward, you know? <laughs> yeah. It seems like that's the consensus amongst most Tottenham fans and analysts that you're going to kind of be pushing all your chips in and just leaving yourself exposed at the back. But, um, you know, you made a couple new signings, got a couple young talents, so, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll surprise you, but enough about Tottenham. Uh, sure. Let's, let's get into kind of how you got involved playing, you know, you know, how long did it take you to kind of warm up to the idea of draft PL and maybe tell us about a couple of the leagues that you've kind of found yourself in today. Yeah, so I I did official FPL, you know, over the years, um, kind of on and off. Uh, it's obviously something where you can kind of lose interest easily, just because the format is really restricted. Um, so it it just happened that last year, uh, a friend of mine recommended me to to his home league here in Japan, and uh, yeah, honestly, I had no idea about draft. Like if if I had known I would have been on to it sooner you know because um, I because you know generally I like following players in the league I like watching as a neutral like I don't just watch Spurs games so yeah so um, basically I was I was clueless and I was shown the light by uh, by some friends so yeah I think that's exactly um, what the space loves loves to hear because uh, I know I'll see Every so often, one of us from the community just randomly replying to someone that looks like they need to be shown the light and, and just telling them to, you know, come here with maybe a GIF or something funny like that. But, um, yeah, it's just it just seems like it's a lot better on, on, you know, the grass is definitely greener in the draft space, but it takes a lot of convincing for some people because, you know, they might be much more involved in that in that, you know, official FPL um, format. So getting, getting them to, to transfer is, is definitely one of the harder things, but um, we're glad you did, um, and I hope, you, I hope you've enjoyed your experience so far. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about some of those leagues and, and how you've liked them so far. Yeah, so uh, this is actually my first year in multiple leagues. So last year I was just um, in, my, in my home league uh, here in Japan, um, but now I, I joined the Genie League. Uh, I'm in the uh, Mares Mofos. Uh, sorry, no, I'm in the sorry. That's in the Community League, Mares Mofos. Okay. I'm in the Southern Southern League in okay. the uh, Genie. So the fifth tier. Genie League. Starting fifth off tier, the yeah. Yeah. Just starting off. Um, I also joined like the Draft Society has this Daddy Daddy's League, Dad's League for uh, where we're doing best ball. So yeah. it's kind of a different. I saw that. That was di- a great idea on their part. I think it's nice because it's a it's a league where you can kind of do intel, like you can kind of you can roll the dice, and and so I'm kind of treating it that way. Like you know maybe I can see players coming around the bend. Um, hopefully before my, you know, my other, uh, competitors do in other leagues. So, right. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's great. That might even be a great way to get some people just testing it out at first. Cause it's, it's very low, uh, effort based since you can just, you know, your top scores score in that, in that format. 
Um, yep. So so you're in a total of then three leagues or four. Uh, so actually, I'm in a I'm in a fifth one too. I joined a league on Reddit. So I, I was actually like I applied for the Genie League and the Community League, but I wasn't sure I was going to get in. So I so I I, I may have overstretched myself, but yeah, we'll see. We're, we're, uh, it'll be fun. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, well, I'm helping out a little bit with the Genie League kind of on the side, and, and so far it's been crazy to see how much that league specifically has grown. Um, I know right. there's a little bit of turnover year to year, but I think that's probably going to stabilize, and you're going to see a really uh, competitive, almost like the the English football structure, where um, it's going to be hard to get in, and, and you know, it's going to be everyone fighting tooth and nail not to get promoted and relegated, so... I think that's how the game was meant to be played. It's just tough, you know, to if you have a home league, like how, how are you gonna set up relegation and promotion unless you can find at least twenty managers. So mm. um I'm glad we've got that in the community and glad you were able to join. You actually are in more leagues than me, believe it or not. I'm only in three. Um but without further ado, let's let's keep moving on. Um sure. so did you play any other sports where it was kind of, or fantasy sports that is, where it was easier to get into this, to this format at first? I know a lot of people start and, you know, if you're Canadian, there's a chance that you played uh, NFL fantasy, um, or did you just kind of come in cold turkey coming off of FPL? Like, to be honest, I'm I'm quite a casual sports fan when it comes to other stuff than soccer. So it really is just, it's just been this, yeah. The, that's the simple answer okay okay yeah. so even you know even fan like a lot of my friends did fantasy hockey like growing up but uh i was always just kind of like a somewhat of a hockey fan but i never played i was i actually played curling so <laughs> oh wow so you're really uh you're really proving that that canadian stereotype right, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome so why don't we get into a little bit of strategy here? Um, sure. And, you know, you might not have developed as many as, you know, are floating around the community now, but I'm sure that even in your one year so far going going into your second, you've, you've found a couple of things to be true. So what are maybe some of the few strategies coming into the 2023-2024 season that you're uh, thinking of employing that, that maybe you wish you did last year? Like one of the main problems I had last year was I didn't have like a very consistent midfield. Um, I, I was re- relying on players, you know, like like Norgard or McGinn, right? Like guys who who just kind of who who are bang average, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, so midfield midfield and and to some to to the extent possible defensive solidity is something I'm trying to like I'm trying to shoot for. Um, I I know that might not be necessarily the drafting for upside as much, but yeah, that's that's definitely like the core of my strategy for this year is is trying to get to make sure I have some decent uh, midfield and defensive assets. Um, so like a few leagues, I had the first pick, uh, Bruno, um, a few other leagues, I had the fifth or sixth pick. So in in that case, I went TAA. So gotcha. Yeah. I, you know, I, I know you'd mentioned my, my handle there, but drafting for upside can mean a whole lot of different things to different people. So it's, it's kind of, 
you know, in the eye of the beholder, but I don't, right. I don't hate that strategy. I actually, funny enough, I don't know if I even condone this, but I had a dynasty startup, if you know what that is, where I right. went yeah. um, four of my first five rounds with defenders um, because wow. I thought that these player, these were players like Reese James and Trent Alexander-Arnold and Diogo Dallo, all guys who signed new contracts that are going to be scoring at the top echelon of defenders for many years to come and i could figure out the rest with new transfers coming into the coming into the league via the waiver wire with fab or or whatnot so i i feel like there's no one cut and dry solution you know i know Mm -hmm. this year people are harping on how important it is to get a top tier forward in the first couple rounds which i tend to agree with but it doesn't always yeah. fall to you that way. And it's important not to, you know, when the draft is zigging, sometimes you need a zag. Um, right. Where I, I've seen forwards going way, way, way earlier than midfields of a similar tier. So I I definitely don't, you know, think that your strategy lacks upside. I think it all just kind of depends on how you're able to fill that roster out. But that's definitely important, um, having, having that midfield base because – you can start five of those guys just from a simplistic point of view. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you can if you can be starting five solid midfielders every week, you've you've got a big advantage and you're more flexible than the guy who needs to start three forwards. Um Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So there's there's so many different ways you can build your team, but it sounds like you're you're starting to figure it out. Um and so are there any strategies that you think um you tried in 2022 and 2023 that just didn't work at all and you're going to change? Well, uh, uh, so the blowing all of my fab like in the summer, that was a bad idea. So um, I know some people actually subscribe to that. So I guess Jeannie, I think, subscribes to that, like that, you know, you can go the whole season. You don't need fab. Um, but this year I'm going to try to nickel and dime it like um, – you know, like the other day I thought, okay, like, do I want to spend two thirds of my fab and try to get Hoyland? Um, but I decided against it because uh, I feel like, you know, something that could happen, like what happened to Nkunku, he could get injured, could take him time to bed in, you know, so I, I'd rather have flexibility for the end of the season. So that's one, one thing is managing my fab. Yeah, that's super important and I think it's one of the I think it's one of the topics that especially new players struggle with. I'm actually in in my home league transitioning from waiver priority to fab. Uh it was mm-hmm. tough to convince people of it because they're just so set in their ways, but um they're they're asking me like, "Hey, can I see some sample some sample bids on on big players from the previous couple of years so we can kind of get some context of what people are bidding?" Because they have just no concept of fab. So, one, having a concept of what players are even worth. And two, you know, do you, do you bid what you think is going to win? Or do you bid what the player's worth? Um, yeah. So, so, sometimes you need a bid, what you need a bid to get the player. If you're, if you're you know, a Nkunku owner and he was your really only potent forward, you might need a bid more of the house on, on Hoyland. But, That's um, true. I did see he's actually injured as it is and saw some rumors that he might not be starting two games in a week anytime soon, um, mm. given some back condition. 
Um, oh, is he? Wow, yeah. I didn't know about He's that. He's only 20 years old, though, so, I mean, <laughs> in theory, he could still be growing right now. Um, anyway, uh, too much about one specific player, but, yeah, no, I think that's a great, I think that's a great, you know, lesson is, is using your fab wisely. Um, any, anything else you got for the listeners? Anything tasty? Yeah, so I guess there's a couple other things. Like, um, one thing is I really wanted to get value out of the promoted sides, you know? So, like, uh, going for, like, Benson Manual or... Uh, okay, let's see if I can butcher this. Uh, <laughs> Ahmad, Ahmad Hodzic, Ahmad Hodzic, the, yep. the, uh, the Bosnian guy. Yep. Uh, uh, also, like, someone to pick up off the wire, I think, Slimani, also from uh, uh, Sheffield United and... Um, obviously Giles, I think he's been quite, so like those kind of assets, uh, from promoted sides. So I'm always like, there's, there's this, uh, attraction that everybody has to the top teams, right? Like, um, I think actually you guys may have mentioned it on your previous pod about like, like potential overvaluation of Arsenal assets. Yeah. Like, um, you know, like, like, so, so I'm always thinking like, okay, outside of that top two or top four, like, where can I get value? That's really where I want to, like, where can I dig, dig in and, and understand, because those are the players that you're going to be more willing to get on the wire. Right. So, yeah, so that's, I, I, I don't know that maybe that's just common sense, but, but uh, yeah, that that's something that I'm focusing on. Well, there's, there's definitely some game theory going on there because, you know, if you think about it, everyone's got, you know, there's three promoted teams coming into the league and everyone's predicting probably two of them get demoted this year. Right. Um, and so they're, they're, people are rating them pretty low. They're going to be low scoring teams in fantasy and real life, whatever metrics you want to use. So these players are, are starting at a floor. And so really the only way they can go is up from where they're mm-hmm. at. I've seen, a lot of those guys that you mentioned going in rounds 10 through 14 in most of my drafts, no one's taking any of those guys in the top yeah. 10 rounds. So if you can kind of, you know, take your best available players in those first 10 rounds or so, and then kind of fall on those guys like a crutch, uh, just to fill out your lineup, um, there's at least a bit of upside with them. And if you can find one of those guys that's able to kind of, take all the volume from their teams and, and, and get those fantasy points, you might have a gem on your hands. But it definitely is more um, safe, I guess, to go with one of those top teams and just say, well, as long as this guy plays, um, mm-hmm. his team is very good and they'll, they'll elevate him no matter what form he's in. So I, I see arguments on both sides, but I do think extracting value in general out of those lower rated teams is very important and maybe yep. something that I actually struggle with is I, I just hate those Morgan Gibbs White type players that, you know, if their team decides to not show up one game and get swept five nothing, they don't do anything. Yeah, um, that's fair. So. That's fair. It's a, it takes patience. It really does. It really does. This game takes a lot of patience. It's not a, it's not a one week type of thing. You gotta evaluate those players over five, six, seven weeks to really get any information out of them. As, as, as managers figure out year year over year. I know last year there's plenty of players that got dropped throughout the season. Like uh, I think even Luke Shaw got dropped early on. Morgan Gibbs White I saw dropped in a couple leagues. You know, Eze had a tough 
tough first half of the season, and then these players just show up for the, the second half of the season when it's when it might be too late for you. So, I mean, I was really losing hope on Tarkowski. Like he was he was struggling like in the late Lampard. Um, his well, numbers didn't? were just <laughs> were just yeah. Who didn't right? But you know, I just didn't see an end to this because obviously the Everton wasn't swinging the axe. But finally, they did, and you know, thank thank God for Dice, right? Like, yeah. I also managed to pick up McNeil. That was a that was one of my best wow. moves last year. So I think he might have yeah. he might have been. I know Nate Nate might agree with this. He's probably pickup of the season last year if you were able to get yeah. him. Um, just with I mean the amount of points he was scoring in the second half of the season was just unreal. He just seemed yeah. to, like I was just mentioning earlier, really, he was one of those players that just had a stranglehold on one of the, the worst teams, um, and that was enough to just elevate him to the top. Whereas I think if he were on a top team, he would score nowhere near those the, the amount of points that he did. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. And he, he also wouldn't be playing every minute, but obviously no. Everton needed him to, right? So. Right, right. So what, you know... I've talked a lot about, and I actually published an article about drafting for upside. What, what do you see as your appetite for risk in this game? Um, you know, a scale one to ten, ten being the highest. How have you kind of approached um, this format so far? So I, I would say there's two answers to this question. There's my real appetite, which is probably about a seven or an eight, and then there's, there's. Uh, how how I try to restrict that appetite and push it down to like a four or a five, you, you know what I mean? So um, because I often, I find myself thinking about, okay, I really want to take a punt. Like, you know, I really need to shake things up here. Uh, but at the end of the day, I really just try to stick to the numbers as much as possible. Um, I guess part of that is probably just being a newbie, like, because uh, I don't necessarily know, like, where, where is that appetite for risk coming from? Like, one of the problems that I find is that, you know, maybe it's a, there's a certain, like, nostalgic element, you know, maybe I have familiarity with this player, that it's not really based on their current form that I'm, that I'm wanting to take the risk. Um, so yeah, I guess currently because I'm, I'm still kind of like learning the game, I'm, I'm trying to stick to the numbers as much as possible. Um, like, you know, sometimes if, if I see someone performing well, uh, but just, just missing guilt, guilt edge chances, um, you know, I might, uh, take the risk there, but yeah, but generally I, I, I try to like, you know, control the 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 urge yeah awesome awesome i mean i i don't think having a four or five is that crazy i'm probably i'm probably more like a seven or an eight um Mm -hmm. but it does make sense to to start lower on that scale and as you feel more confident in your abilities um moving up to to that higher tier where where you have more conviction in your player takes and and I don't think there's anything wrong with with having a couple of players that are more sentimental, um, right? You know, sentimental plays because ultimately we're playing we're playing this game to have fun. So if that means having a guy from your favorite team, you know, if go for it because in the, at the end of the day it might even be smart. Um, you might be saving yourself from making a completely boneheaded trade to get that guy later on. So 
Um, yep, that's true. You know, just having having some incentive to watch the games and and you know look at these players isn't isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, so I think that's that's wise by you to to kind of tear that down at the start and maybe. Maybe in a year or two you'll be back up to to your your typical seven that you that you gave us. So right, I mean, I, I can give you a current dilemma I'm having. So like, hit me. Van de Ven, Van de Ven has just signed. Uh, so the the waiver the waiver wire is tomorrow. Actually, Thursday waivers. So and I've told you already. Like I'm trying to restrict my use of Fab. There's also like the knowledge that maybe half my league is not really aware, like because it's a Tottenham asset because he's a defender, but like this guy is fast like lightning. You know, he's really exciting. He's a very likable guy. Like I just watched an interview with him, and I'm just like, oh, I really want this guy. Like, you know, should I, should I go for it? Even though I've kind of like told myself like I'm gonna swear off the Tottenham defense for at least you know the first. Uh, uh, I don't know three months where Ant Ball is kind of like developing, but yeah. So that that that's an example of you know the kind of the tussle in the you know. <laughs> right. I haven't seen how he's scored so far in the Bundesliga, but I'm sure everyone and their brother has seen the clip of him absolutely hunting. Um, I forget what team that was, but hunting his man down and getting a goal line block on him. So. Right. Uh, yeah, no, I think I actually tweeted something out the other day saying should be more of this this season with Tottenham, the way they play. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, like you said, you know, if they are going to be letting in two, three goals a game, it's probably not wise to, to spend too much on him. But, you right. know, that, that narrative is kind of what's shared by the community. So sometimes if, you know, if that's, if that's what everyone thinks, you might be able to get a little bargain on him putting three, four, five fab out there on them. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, but then you got to wonder, okay, if he flops, like, am I going to be able to cut bait with him for the amount of fab I bid? That's kind of how I think about it. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, so along those same lines, actually, what what's your philosophy with new acquisitions and, and, you know, what's your leash look like? Is it long, short? How long do you usually give guys before you cut bait? So, yeah, like last year was my first year. And so I was hanging on to guys for dear life. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my leash is getting shorter. Um, for example, I, I actually drafted Tony in a couple of leagues. Uh, I've already dropped him in one. Uh, in the, we, we haven't even started yet. Uh, so I guess that's a, a special case, right, uh, with Tony. But, um yeah, I feel like this year it's going to be fairly short. Like uh, I'm going to try to to really uh, move assets uh, a lot quicker than I did last year. Um, I guess yeah, last year it was just like a I guess the the learning curve and and, and all of that. So, um, but yeah, I guess it it also depends depends on the player, I guess, and it all. Um, but yeah, I get. I guess it's the 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 leash is growing ever shorter. Yeah. And so you know when you when you decide to cut bait with a guy, do you do you ever try to do you usually try to trade him beforehand, or do you just you just get him out immediately and 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 move on with someone else? Especially toward the beginning of the season, kind of one week can be can be a lot longer than you know two or three weeks even toward the end of the season. 
Yeah, um, I might try to, I mean, I might, if, if the schedule looks good, I might try to hang on to a guy for long enough to, to get someone in return. But, but to be honest, uh, so in my home league, there's not a whole lot of trading, so I don't have a whole lot of experience. So, so yeah, that's kind of like, uh, you know, under construction, my, my trade policy. Right. So. I mean, trading can be one of the hardest things to figure out. I know in a lot of my leagues, managers uh, don't enjoy trading for some reason or are very put off by it where they'll only really complete trades that are just firmly in their favor. Um, yeah. At least that's what it's seemed to be so far. Um, granted, one of the leagues doesn't even, didn't, doesn't even have fab. So I think fab really can complete some of the imbalances within a lot of trades, but, uh, it, it's certainly, it's certainly something that's evolving in the space because none of us really have a great idea what player values are. It, it's right. It's an ever changing landscape. It's not like fantasy football where, you know, there's always two wide receivers that start and one running back and you know what everyone's role is and, and things are pretty consistent on a game to game basis. You know, you could have, you could have, like for example, Phil Foden, who, you know, goes off for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden Guardiola benches him for ten more, and his his player value just falls off of a cliff, and yeah. you're left like, well, what do I do with this guy? Because because you know both managers know, okay, he's not starting, so he's useless for me. But if he decides to start in the future, he's great. <laughs> so there's just like, how do you value that, or or like. Something like an Nkunku injury or, or the Tony ban, like that that has different values to different people. And different yeah, you know, people are able to withstand those hits better than others because people are, you know, better at streaming than others. It's a skill for sure. So yeah, I mean, have you have you made any trades so far that you're just stoked about or um, you know, have you had any strategies regarding trades that you think think have worked, or or like you said, it's still a work in progress? Oh, still a work in progress. No, like actually, last year, so we had a embargo. I I had an embargo on trading just because I was a newbie. Uh, then halfway through the year, I had the opportunity to trade, but there were there just weren't any offers that I was interested in. So to be honest, like my first trade is going to be this year. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they were just they were just scared that you were gonna you know fleece someone for, for their mortgage. So, it's not surprising. I, I suppose. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I would hope so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Awesome. Well, I think that's about it regarding strategy. You know, like we said, you're 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 a year in. You're still figuring things out here, and that's you know part of the fun. Um. Especially, I think in the first three years, you really kind of figure out what kind of a manager you are. So. Um, I'll be kind of excited to see how you end up doing in the Genie League since I'm I'm just one tier above you. I'll be keeping an eye. Um, but, you know, Over run your shoulder. Me- yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously hit us up if you have any questions. Um, as always, that goes for any of the listeners, really. Um, you know, I, I guess, yeah, are, are there you. any questions you have you have for me about strategy? Uh, so... I mean, so one thing that is perplexing to me still, so because of my lack of experience in terms of trading, is um, 
often often let's say you're going for a higher value player you you're usually sending like you said you could send fab plus a player but oftentimes it's it's kind of a two for one deal um i really don't know how to to like to add the value up of like two players you know two two you know two equals one kind of thing like right i i don't know if you have any advice for that it's kind of like a an abstract thing but yeah so that's a that's always a tough one for sure and it's going to be you know the value the value of the beholder is is always going to be is always going to be into play here but say i guess i'll attack it from two sides here uh, mainly the guy offering two for one because i typically like to be that guy instead mm -hmm. but if you're offering two guys for one ideally you're offering guy someone you know depth at a position they don't have um, because every every good trade is definitely going to be one that works for both sides, but um, say say the other team say you're stacked at forward, um, you know, and you and you have a lot of mids like you're you're going for this year, so you offer them a forward and, and a mid for an, maybe an upgrade at mid since you you know are trying to upgrade that position and you can afford to 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 lose some of that depth at forward. Um, I would say, you know, when, when you're offering that, so you're going to be getting a mid in return, you, you have to almost assume that you're getting like a bang average mid in return, um, right. like a, like a waiver wire guy. Um, and, and those values kind of need to somewhat equal, right? So someone's getting, so there's a, there's, there's a top player in the exchange and there's a bottom player and then there's two players in between. You should ideally be giving the players in between and they should both be above waiver wire replacement value. Right. And, and so you should be thinking about it that way because if you're, if you're getting the one, right, you're gaining a bench spot and that's a huge, that's a huge advantage because you're maybe cutting some of your deadwood and it allows you to kind of test the, test the waters on the waiver wire. So, a lot of people don't think about that when they make the offers. They're like, oh, well, these two players are equal to the value of the one. But, you know, that's not really fair because that one, yeah. you also gain the bench spot and you can start testing around with other players. Um, so, yeah, I, I think both of those players need to firmly be above waiver wire replacement. And honestly, usually the sum of the two, value, the two players needs to be uh, probably significantly greater than the one. Um, in order for that one to work out. So that's right. really a play I'd say works well if you have just a ton of depth um, because, you know, it's really important in this game. And you can you can sacrifice that for a major upgrade at one of your two positions that you're probably giving them. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing. Like, in almost all my leagues, I have a ton of midfield depth, so I, I might be able to, to work with that. Yeah, right. and it, especially because I may have, in some leagues, I... Uh, gone a little bit light in terms of forwards so yeah. right yeah you might so even be able to look i like to look in the i think it's the team info or roster chart in fan tracks and just scroll through your league and see you know if you're looking for a forward who's got like two three forwards or right. well you're looking for a forward so who has five forwards um and low amount of mids try like a two mids for one forward deal or mid and a forward for a forward deal um, something yeah. where you're maybe offering them a little bit extra, um, but I've found that they don't they don't really work this early in the season. You need to kind of let let who you drafted play out. Hopefully they yeah. end up working out, and then hopefully you kind of have a surplus of mids 
and and you'll be able to kind of part with some of that value for one of those top tier guys. That's true. There's no guarantees, right? Nope. There's no guarantees in this game, unfortunately. Even the, even the even the first rounders can flop. Interestingly enough, without injury, even. Mm. So, uh, like I said, enough about strategy. Let's move on to some players, some more specifics. Um, do you have? And you can veto this. You don't have to. But is there a certain draft you've had this year that you're just really excited about that maybe you'd like to run through kind of you know briefly some of the picks that you made and 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 what your mentality was going through that draft since the draft is is one of people's favorite parts of this game yeah so this yeah this was a hard question to think about but um honestly i'm kind of happy with just the balance of the team that i picked in my home league okay so um, so I can kind of run through that. Yeah, why don't you just um, give us like the first maybe six, seven rounds, some of those guys, and, and how you how you attacked it positionally and value-wise. Right. Uh, yeah, so my first pick was uh, I, I had fifth pick. Uh, I had an option to go KDB, but uh, I guess I'm in the I, I don't trust him to stay healthy crowd. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so I, I went... Uh, TAA for in the first round um, and also you know just like the opportunity to get one of the two elite defenders is kind of uh, I don't know it's just enticing to me um, I, I agree I'd take him ahead of KDB for whatever that's worth as well right so uh, then in the second round uh, I went Mitoma so um, I suppose, like, I actually missed out on him in in, a, in another league and, and went for... Actually, in two other leagues. So I missed out on on him and I went for March in another league. And in a, yet another league, I missed out on both of them and I went for Gross. And so I just, yeah, so in this one, I was just happy, you know, to have the chance to have him on my roster. It's mm-hmm. just, he's such a... He's such an explosive player. Like even he, he, it's kind of like Aryan Robin, right? He he has this same this same move, but it just it works. Uh, yeah, I can't explain it. Well, it's just he but. just understands kind of how to shift the defender's body in an awkward way so that he can go the other way, and he right. just reads that. He just reads that so much better than most people do. Um, I also right. think there's a lot of deception with just those left footers. Which is he a lefty or righty? I think he's a lefty, yeah. I think he's a lefty as well. I think so. I could totally be off base on that, but I still think lefties are so much harder to defend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so that that was my thinking there. Uh, And then, obviously, I wanted to go forward for the next pick, so I went Watkins. Um, I, I know that, like, some people feel like Watkins is hot and cold, um, but I feel like the way that Villa were playing the end of last season, like if it matches that, then it's going to be uh, really, they're, they're really going to be cooking. And um, yeah, so I'm feeling pretty good about, about my third pick. Nice. Nice. So you got, you rounded that out with a defender, midfielder and forward. Right. Yeah. So, so now you got flexibility um, to just take whoever you like best next. Exactly. Yeah. So for the fourth round, um, Okay, I'm gonna butcher this again. Soba Sly uh, was yeah, was ava- was available. 
so I, I don't know like how long it's going to take him to establish himself in, I guess he's going to be attacking midfielder, right? Yeah, should um, be, I, should be getting forward. Yeah, I don't know how he's going to start, how long that's going to take, but you know, I, I can be patient. Um, and then somehow, I I, I managed to get Brian and Bumo in the fifth round. So oh, wow. He was he was hanging around. So I was really yeah, I was just stoked to, like ha- having him Bumo and Watkins. Uh, it's just it. It's not like uh, it's not the, the this. How do I say? You know, it's not uh, Hollywood, but it's also like it's just solid, right? Right. So. They're they're not household names, but but that's okay. And that's where, you know, sometimes if those guys, if you took their names away and slapped on one of the household names, they'd be going, you know, a whole round or two earlier. So yeah. I, I think Mbwemo is one that's certainly interesting this year with the absence of Tony, who could, who could take that next step forward. And I think he's he's only twenty two, twenty three, so certainly still improving. Yeah. So I really like that one. Is this a is this a ten or or twelve man league? Uh so yeah, so this is a ten man league. Okay, yeah. so that, that makes might a little explain, bit more sense. I was, that explains it. Yeah. I was I was you had me a little bit lost once. I was like, oh, Ali Ali Watkins in the third. That's a pretty good deal and then you got right. Sobosly in the fourth and I'm like okay hold on and then right, Embuemo right. in the fourth just uh, like okay this must be 10 but still even in 10 that's that's a great that's a great foundation for your draft um and I really like this year taking that top taking that top defender in the first four or five rounds um just because of the discrepancy that we saw last year um and just yeah. how they scored so poorly um Get, getting getting one of those top guys is a big advantage week in and week out. Yeah. So I could just quickly run through like so then uh I went Pinnock in the in the seventh uh sorry, Pinnock in the sixth. Okay. Uh Ben Rama in the seventh. That's great. Uh Anthony in the eighth. So etc. Um Yeah, so Anthony is an interesting one because I feel like a lot of people don't trust him. Uh, but United fans are really bullish about him. I've so, noticed that too. Yeah, so I'm I'm willing to trust, you know, to the extent to to the extent that this is possible. I'm willing to trust United fans on this one. <laughs> I might have to clip yeah. that one. <laughs> I'm not one to trust United fans. I right. you know, I'm also a bit skeptical on him. I have to admit, he kind of in a 12 team league fell in that like fifth round area. I'm like. Well, I mean, I could yeah. do worse than him, but I also prefer the likes of like Chilwell if I can get him, or um, right. you know, I don't really see Anthony as that much better than Sancho in terms of ADP. Right. But regardless, I do I do acknowledge he probably starts. They spent a lot of money on him. He did okay last year, um, but he's certainly not a likable player. So I can, I can, I can see both sides of the coin there. Um, there, there yeah, could be some value to true. be had. The community is certainly negative on him, overall. Yeah. Other than the than the clear United fans. Right. So if I can just mention one more guy from this draft, who please do. I I really don't know where to place him, but I got Shada. Like so, I so I have, Embuemo and Shada. So. Um, there's so much hype about Shada, but like he really didn't show up last year. So like I I don't know quite where to to place him. So yeah, I I'm not I'm just curious what your what your take is on him because there is so much hype about him. Uh, so I was listening to 
I think Jay Harris is his name is the Brentford, Brentford athletic reporter. Um, and they were talking a lot about Shade and, and how they, they spent a lot of time scouting him and using all the, you know, I don't know, deep AI, whatever, whatever the heck you want to call it. Right. Um, kind of like yeah. Brighton does. And, and they really spent a long time scouting him out in the first place. So, you know, I, I feel like teams like Brentford, like Brighton really need to get those, those scouting decisions, right? So I think, yeah. you know, they don't just toss money around. And, and I, I have to put a little bit of weight in that. He's definitely young. There's lots of opportunity for him there. Um, he's, certainly, he's certainly rapid, as uh, is usually the first thing that people say when they talk about him. So there's yeah. a lot of potential for him. I think he might be going a little high. But um, I think, you, I mean, you probably got him in, what, the 10th, 11th round? Or maybe a little yeah, well, uh, I got him in the twelfth actually, but it's, okay. yeah, it's, again, it's a 10, 10 team league. So. Right, right. So I think that that's probably fair. There's, it's certainly in in the drafting for upside mold to to grab him there. I think I've just seen other names that I'm more comfortable clicking on at that point. Um, but right. I do th- I do think he's a good pick and and a guy that that a lot of people are calling their shot on for probably good reason. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, there's, I mean, there's a lot of guys that I trust, like, who are, who are singing his, you know, praise, but, uh, but at the same time, it's just, yeah, I guess he, he just didn't uh, have a chance to show what he's made of yet, I guess. Yeah. yeah, we have, we just probably haven't seen enough out of him at this point, not that he hasn't, not that he hasn't looked good, but we just haven't seen enough, so, hmm. you know, no matter what anyone tells you, he's definitely a player that, that you're kind of calling your shot on, because we just... You know, he hasn't gotten quite enough minutes there with Brentford yet, but um, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up in a little bit here. But before we go, sure. uh, do you have maybe one or two other players um, that you think the rest of the community is, you know, either sleeping on or, or you know, just maybe undervaluing as, as a late round punt? Maybe, you know, guys who are going to end up being 30% rostered, probably rounds, you know, 12 or so, other than Shada. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. Um, I think one one guy who a lot of people seem to have forgotten about, uh, just being a Spurs fan, is Ben Tanker. So um, he, I don't know, he should be he should be back in the swing of things by October, I guess. Uh, he might we might see him late September, um, but I think that in Ange's system, uh, he is really going to thrive. So. That's one guy who, you know, obviously we, we don't know about the injury, but, um, you know, if people are picking up, you know, Tony and, and holding him on until late January, then, you know, it might be worth a shot, like to, to put him in your pocket. Like if, let's say he's still on the wire early September, like, uh, you know, I would, that's definitely something I'm thinking about doing. So Ben Tankur, um, one player that I'm kind of curious about is Diazzi, I guess the the Disassi, so, the Chelsea. Uh, Disassi, yeah. Sorry, okay. I I've, I miswrote it in my notes there. Disassi, yeah. So um, the only problem there is, of course, like just Chelsea are very unpredictable. Um, so yeah, yeah. on the uh, like, if I can just throw in one more, like. Please one do. guy who burnt one guy who burned me last year, so I, I spent a quarter of my fab on him, Damsgard. Oh so, man. Yeah, but but the thing is, like, I'm I'm really fo- like one of the big 
things I'm focused on is just trying not to like let my biases control me and and I think that there's potential there like for him to to maybe get up to the speed of the league um we'll see but yeah maybe that's that's my other I like that shout as well I think I highlighted in a couple tweets like if there was a player to 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 Sally March it up this season it would it would probably be a Damsgaard type who is able to hop on set pieces um and you know is is obviously a goal slash assist threat he's probably the most creative guy in that midfield there's definitely potential he's young um we might have just you know like you said we we got burned last season on him maybe not me but you know a lot of us did get burned on him last season and that stuff definitely carries over season to season um so I, I like that. I like that call. Um, he's definitely one that you might even be able, be able to get on waiver wire after after your draft is done. I've seen him on yep. a few of my twelve team leagues uh, on the waiver wire. Um, he's one maybe to pick up before Brentford play and hope he starts. And if he doesn't, you just get rid of him. Yeah, that's fair. Fair strategy. Yeah. yeah. So awesome. Well, now that that you've kind of given us given us and your league mates your plan for this season i think we'll we'll just kind of wrap things up here um any parting words for for the worthy listeners uh yeah if things go south then looks like i might need a new plan because i've just uh spilled the beans yeah. so but but uh yeah no i i appreciate the chance to come on here and uh just like if you're listening you're a regular contributor to the community you know like on in terms of whether it be podcasting or Twitter, just uh, I, re- I really appreciate, you know, the like um, not just the info, but, you know, also it's it's just really nice to be uh, part of this community. So yeah. awesome. Well, thanks again. So thanks Christian. for the chance. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us. Um, and you can find you can find Christian on Twitter at Draft Espresso, as is his his FPL account. Um, and we look forward to, to hearing how you do in the future. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach. All right. Thanks for coming on. Cheers. Cheers.